John chapter 14, verse 27. The words of Jesus Christ. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. I want to speak to you today on from this verse and this theme, peace under pressure. Peace under pressure. I don't always pray before I preach. Usually I just preach because we've already prayed. But would you pray with me right now that the Lord... Do more than just let us feel something or hear something. Let there be a divine transaction take place today. Lord, I pray over your people right now who are hearing your word. You know, Lord God, that if your word is mixed with faith, that it can be effective. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would give open hearts to receive your word. And help us, Lord... Receive the word of God into us, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that it would not be word only, but that it would be power, that you would confirm your word with signs following, that you would do great ministry today, that you would let someone's eternal destiny be altered from hell to heaven, that you would let someone be set free, let someone be healed, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Well, not all pressure is bad. Equalized pressure, pressure kept in balance, is a good thing. But pressure mounts when we perceive that the demands that are being placed on us are beyond our ability. We feel pressure when we don't feel like we have adequate resources to respond, to step up to the plate, to deliver on the pressure that is being placed on us. We feel unable to meet the demands, and so we feel pressure. All of us experience external pressures in life. We feel pressure from time. You plan your trip to take an hour, and you told someone you'd be there at a certain time might be work or an appointment, a meeting that you have to go to. But there was more traffic than you anticipated. Welcome to Atlanta every day. And then there was an accident. And you soon realize that you are going to be late. And if you've got a good conscience, you feel pressure. If you're conscientious about things, you ought to feel a little pressure. I told someone the other day that lived about an hour from us, and I said, from our house to yours, it's about five traffic jams and three accidents. That's the only way I know how to measure it. Because whatever Google Maps or Apple Maps or Waze said when you left, that can all change in a matter of minutes, right? Maybe not you, but a lot of people I know have felt financial pressure in their life. There's a bill to pay that's due and you know you don't have enough money in your bank account to cover all the bills. Financial pressure can paralyze people. If you've ever been there, say amen. amen. Deadlines create pressure. You have a deadline to deliver a project. 
at school or at work and you know you don't have enough time to get it done. Of course you could have started earlier. Of course you could have worked instead of watching something. But you know you're not going to make that deadline and you feel pressure. And then there's a the pressure of unfulfilled expectations. You think you're doing your best to measure up, but it seems like you're just not satisfying the person who's expecting you to perform or do a certain thing or act in a certain way. You feel like the bar is always being raised. You feel like the goalpost is always being moved. And you just don't know how to measure up. You feel inadequate, sometimes a little helpless. Pressure builds because of externally imposed unfulfilled expectations. Then there's internal pressure. We feel the pressure to please other people. There's peer pressure, right? Cultural expectations. You don't want anybody to be let down. There's the pressure to conform to the world. Paul wrote about this in Romans 12 too, to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Daniel felt that pressure when it became illegal to pray in Babylon. The three Hebrew boys, as we call them, felt the pressure to not worship an idol that Nebuchadnezzar set up. They did not give in. They did not bow they did not bend. They did not burn, right? But they still felt the pressure to conform. These internal pressures often are pressures we put on ourselves to succeed, to perform. We kind of create expectations that may have never been expressed by other people. But we feel them. And all the perfectionists should say amen about self-imposed pressure. Amen. The thing that makes peer pressure, pressure. Why is peer pressure pressure? It's usually our insecurity, our need for the approval of other people. If you didn't care, you wouldn't conform. But because you care what other people think, you bow to peer pressure. And I've learned as an old youth pastor that peer pressure does not just apply to people who are in their teenage years. That peer pressure affects insecure people throughout their lives. Pressure. Pressure. You can feel the pressure of the future and it can be debilitating because you don't think that you're going to be able to get there and do right and succeed. You feel like you may fail and you feel pressure. Now there's some wise practical ways to deal with pressure that we feel. First of all, don't undermine yourself by doing things that bring more pressure. When you cave in to peer pressure and compromise biblical principles, you just have more pressure. You're still not going to be accepted. Now you feel guilty. Now you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You go out and spend a lot of money impulsively. You think that relieves stress? It just adds stress. You walk out of the room when there's conflict in a relationship. That doesn't resolve anything. That doesn't help alleviate stress. It just builds more stress in your life. All of you who like to run, when there's a problem, need to hear me now. You need to stay. 
and address it and deal with it. You need to care enough to confront in a healthy way. You need to speak the truth in love. You need to work through your problems because running away, that escape does not solve anything. Well, there's some positive, practical things you can do to help reduce some of the pressure in your life. You can plan ahead and it can reduce the pressure that comes from procrastination. You can make a list of things that you feel are pressuring you so you can identify them and deal with specific pressure points in your life. That's a good thing to do. You can try to take care of your body. Get adequate rest. Create margin so you're not late. So you're not late on a, an appointment or a project or whatever. Building in margin can help. You can cultivate healthy attitudes toward people by forgiving, by repenting of bitterness, by getting through and getting over conflicts that you might have with people. If you remember a Bible study I taught several years ago, you can take the advice of Brother J.T. Pugh, who in his Western drawl said to me, Brother Johns, I don't hate nobody. And if you've got hate, you've got pressure. So forgiving and being forgiven can reduce the pressure of relationships. You can internal, internalize biblical principles that help you face pressures and see life through God's point of view instead of through a carnal, worldly, or secular point of view. When you have a troubled heart, the Word of God will help you see things more clearly. But with all of that said, and there's a lot of practical things that we can do. When you have done all the practical things possible to deal with pressure, you need to know that God has power and God has peace that will keep you when you are under pressure. Spiritual pressure cannot be alleviated in the flesh. You cannot fight spiritual opposition spiritual oppression, oppression or a battle that you're in with logic, take as many deep breaths as you want, go on as many vacations as you can afford, but if the source is spiritual, it has to be met in the spirit if you're going to overcome the pressure that you're facing. Amen. Spiritual pressure. Sometimes... It's just an all-out attack from Satan. Jesus told Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to sift you like wheat. But Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, strengthen your brother. So there was an all-out attack. But I found that many times Satan piles on to normal, natural pressures that we're feeling. You're late, but then he piles on the feeling that you don't, you're no good and you always act like this. That's what I feel like many times we battle, not just life, but Satan sees an opening for us. He's looking for someone that he can devour or attack. And when he sees you down, when he sees you struggling, when he sees you under pressure, then he piles on those natural things with spiritual battles that we all face. And it doesn't matter who you are, 
We all face them. The Apostle Paul spoke about the time he arrived in Macedonia. He said there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. He knew what it was like as a man of God to face the external pressures of persecution and rejection and the internal fears that he felt as a human being. I believe that we live in a world that, was, that is charged with spiritual pressure. Every moral institution in our culture is being challenged. Values are being turned upside down. Truth, as the Bible said, has fallen in the street. Right is viewed as wrong. And wrong is viewed as right. I thank God that there are people who are fighting back in prayer and are not capitulating to the pressure that is in our world. But the war I'm talking about in our world is more consequential than your political persuasion. This war that we are fighting cannot be won on Wall Street. It cannot be won out of ballot back box. It has to be worn in an altar of prayer. It is time for the people of God to be driven to their needs in, pray, needs in prayer because this is a spiritual battle that we are facing and it must be won in the spirit. There is an intense and intensifying pressure in this age that is grinding against the age to come. I've referred to this in the past. I'll talk about it scripturally in a few moments. But when I envision what is going on in our world, I envision the tectonic plates and the crust of the earth that grind against one another, constantly shifting and moving. Sometimes only a sixth of an inch a year or two inches a year in some places like California. But this, the powerful forces beneath the continents that are always grinding and shifting. There is there's something that is going on in our in the spirit world that reminds me of that. That is the world that is now that is grinding against the world to come. And we feel the pressure of this age. We feel the resistance against the kingdom of God. But we feel the kingdom of God coming. It will be revealed in this earth. And it is up to the people of God to fight back against the pressure that is in the spirit with prayer and spiritual warfare. We should not think that it is strange that we are in this struggle. I'm not trying to overstate something. I am speaking to you in biblical terms, not just some experiential idea that I want you to feel for the sake of a sermon. I want to help you with the Word of God today, and I believe Jesus wants to help you. The Bible spoke of these last days. In very specific terms, the Bible said that the Spirit speaks expressly or specifically about these times. Paul wrote that in 1 Timothy 4.11 that some shall depart from the faith. They'll give heed to seducing spirits and the doctrine of devils. They will be hypocrites and they will have their conscience seared with the hot iron so they do not know good from bad, right from wrong. They will completely ignore biblical principles upon which this world was founded. Paul wrote again that in the last days, 
Perilous times shall come. Dangerous times will come. He, he lists some of the characteristics of people in these last days, loving their own selves and covetous, boasters, proud and disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, not having natural affection, fierce, despising good people, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having some form of godliness but denying the power of God in their lives. Jude wrote about it in his single chapter epistle. He said, I want you to remember what was spoken by the apostles of our Lord Jesus, how he told you that there would be mockers in the last time. By the way, let me pause here to say that if you think that life is going to rock on forever, you have missed the message of the Bible. There will be a last generation. Life as we know it will cease and eternal life will begin for some in a lake of fire, for some in the kingdom of God. Amen. So Jesus spoke about, the apostles spoke about these last days. These last days would be charged with spiritual warfare. The age that is grinding against the age to come and feeling the tension of the times. While this is not an easy day, it should not be an unexpected day. As I said, the Bible prophesied about the day in which we live right now. Amen. Now the Apostle Paul wrote about what we feel as the people of God and what is felt in the world. In Romans chapter 8, Paul speaks about the dynamics of our times as a woman that is carrying a child and waiting to deliver it. On the part of the mother, there is groaning and travail and pain. The baby inside the womb feels the pressure of being forced out of one safe, secure environment into a new an unfamiliar one. Paul wrote about it in Romans 8.22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now. Not just human beings, but all of this fallen world, Paul says, is groaning and travailing. It is like a woman that is about to deliver a baby. But then Paul said, and not only they on the outside, but those of us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, those of us who have been born again in water and spirit, he said, even we ourselves grown within ourselves. We're waiting for something, he said. We're waiting for the adoption. We're waiting for the redemption of our body. There is going to be a day that comes when our mortal puts on immortality and our corruptible flesh puts on incorruption. It will be in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And Paul said we feel this tension of the times. We're living in the here and now but we were made for the hereafter and we feel the groaning that is going on in a fallen world. But we who are full of the spirit we also feel the pressure the pressure of this day trying to break forth into a new day. Amen. And think about a poor, wonderful lady in the ninth month of carrying the baby. Feet are swelling. She's fatigued and miserable. 
She's got this 10 or 11 pound baby she's carrying. At least she feels like it must be at least that big. Her stomach is tight. The baby's moving too much. She lays down. She can't sleep. She feels the pain in her back. And then imagine the, the pain of natural childbirth. Many of you moms have felt this pain complete with hard labor with no medication at all. Paul said that that is what we feel in the spirit world. We groan within ourselves. We travail within ourselves. It is something that we cannot explain just like the earth cannot explain what is going on. It is the tension of the times that we feel. It is a pressure that is in our world that will give way to the kingdom to come. But we are in a conflict. We are in a battle. And even though we have the Holy Ghost living inside of us, Paul said, we feel it. Amen. We know that this present world is not as God intended it to be. He created it at peace and harmony. The Garden of Eden, when sin entered, death came and sickness and sin and conflict and strife came into the world with the entrance of sin. Friday, we stood at the grave of a family member, of a church member here. And as I stood at that grave and prayed, they asked me to pray. At the end, I prayed about how death is a stranger. We were created to live forever. Death, you cannot wrap your brain around death. We were meant to live forever, not to die. And as I stood there, I thought this is always a foreign feeling because God intended us to live forever. It is the pressure of the time. You know, have you ever felt a sadness that you couldn't explain? Heaviness? Maybe even you would call it some form of depression. I understand that depression can be real and it can have, you know, psychological, emotional, spiritual roots that cause depression. But then you try to write it off. Maybe I'm just having a bad day or it was that traffic jam or it's a rough day at the office. It's, it's the problems we're having in our family and all of that is relevant and important. But there can be a misery that is deeper than emotional. It is a spiritual struggle that you may feel. God may be calling you aside to pray in the spirit, to pray in intercessory prayer, to engage in spiritual warfare. It is the groaning and travailing that we feel. Ultimately, what we are feeling in our world is the clash of two kingdoms, not tectonic plates but two kingdoms and this world is rushing headlong toward the battle of Armageddon where this conflict will be settled once and for all this showdown between good and evil amen when God himself will be the Lord of all and Jesus Christ will be declared as the king of kings and the Lord of lords and we will be set free from our mortal bodies we will be delivered from the bondage that we feel amen there is a day coming when all of this will be laid down and the pressure will be released What a day that will be. Praise God. There are forces and factors in the spirit that are bringing this conflict to a conclusion. Satan knows that he only has a short time to work. But God is driving this world to a predetermined conclusion 
where Satan and his kingdom is going down and God and his kingdom and his people are going up. Amen. Satan banished to the bottomless pit forever. The people of God, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven adorned as a bride for her husband. Streets of gold, gates of pearl, everlasting joy, right, shall be upon their heads. High walls and open gates, peace forever and ever. Amen. That's the promise. That's our blessed hope, the Bible says. But Jesus knew that between that day that he was talking to his disciples, John 14, and the day I just described would be seasons of conflict and tension and stress and strife and, and pressure. And Jesus knew what his disciples of that day would be facing. And he knew that they would feel alone and abandoned by their king, their Messiah, their rabbi. But Jesus also knew what his disciples of this day would be facing prior to our ascension, our gathering together unto him. And the apostle Paul wrote to Titus, he said, I, I beseech you, I beg you by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. He was preparing them for the pressure they would face after his death, burial, resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. Jesus knew there would be pressure in their day, and there would be an even greater pressure in our day, as we near the coming of the Lord, that's what Paul wrote about that, that grinding of one age against the next. The earth, Paul said, is groaning and travailing in pain. This friction, I would call it, this grinding of these tectonic plates spiritually, one against another, while there's something that is not right, not at rest, not at peace, but it is anticipating the peace that is to come. Meanwhile, we try to figure out our pressure. We sometimes are like the Bible said, the Old Testament, I was as a beast before you, the psalmist said. I wasn't thinking spiritually. I was thinking rationally only, which could be carnally or with a, not a spiritual approach to the problem. You know, you wonder, is it the financial uncertainty? Is it the strain of inflation I'm feeling in the world? Is it the cultural climate that's trying to cancel Christianity? Maybe it's all of the above. Is it the moral decay that is undermining the foundation of the family in our society? Is it the spirit of lawlessness that is so pervasive in our world? You know, you can attempt to try to find out what in the world is wrong, but circumstances are often just the symptom of the source of the problem. Amen. In this world, Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. You will have tribulation. But I, he said, have overcome the world. So what is this peace? What is this peace under pressure? It was the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry. 
He huddles his disciples together in a private gathering. He washes their feet in John 13. In John 14, 15, 16, 3 chapters, he, it is a long discourse. He is teaching them. In John 17, he prays for those believers and all believers who would ever believe on him, his prayer of intercession. But he begins this discourse in John 14 with these words, let not your heart be troubled. There are some things that are going to happen to you. There are some things that you're not going to understand. I'm telling you before they come to pass. So when they come to pass, you'll believe, you'll remember that I told you to anticipate this. He teaches down to John 14, an amazing passage. But then he comes to our text today, John 14, 27. And Jesus says to them, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. It was a common greeting and benediction among the Jewish people. Maybe you met a friend. Shalom, peace. You departed. Shalom, peace. Closing of a prayer, pray for peace, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, they would say. It was common to speak these words. But what Jesus said to them was not trite. It was not just words. It was not just a parting benediction to his time on earth with them. It was something deeper and significant. Their leader was going to the cross, to a grave, to heaven. He was leaving them, but he was not leaving them alone. He said, my peace I leave with you. I'm not leaving you with an empty farewell. I'm leaving you with something that is of substance. It is something that you can understand and grasp and have in your spirit. It is not a passing peace, but it is a permanent peace. My peace I leave with you. And then he said, my peace I give unto you. Amen. I'm going to, to give you this peace. You know, the Bible said that the, that the kingdom of God is, is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He was inferring that I'm going to give you peace. We know that that peace comes by the Spirit of God that comes into our lives. I'm, I'm leaving you peace. I am giving you peace. He said this peace is a residing abiding peace, something tangible that can be given, that can be received, that can be possessed, not merely an absence of conflict or war, but a peace that brings peace with God. This peace would be the comforter that would come to them. It was the peace that he himself possessed that allowed him to sleep in the middle of a storm and not be awakened because he knew that ultimately he was in control of the storm. And when it was time, he could stand on the bow of the boat and say, peace, be still, because he controlled the powers of nature. Amen. It was a peace that resided in him as a prince of peace that he could stand before the Sanhedrin and Pilate and he would be unruffled while he faced those accusers who would try to put him to death. It was the peace that he had. 
in the present pain that saw the glory that would follow. It was the peace that he gave his disciples on the day of Pentecost when they received the Holy Ghost. It was the peace that Stephen possessed when his face looked like an angel while they were stoning him to death. It was the peace that the apostle Peter felt when he was in a jailhouse, locked hands and feet with plans to kill him tomorrow. But he could sleep so soundly that the angel had to hit him on the side to wake him up. It was the peace that Paul and Silas felt when they were in a prison cell beaten in Philippi that they could pray and sing praises at midnight. And it is that same peace that Jesus Christ is giving us, giving you in the middle of your storm, in the middle of the stress, in the middle of your pressure. You do not have to succumb or give up. There is peace under pressure. What are you thanking for it right now? Oh, hallelujah. Go ahead. I want you to receive it right now. The impartation of the peace of God that passes understanding of power, love, and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the peace that Paul felt when he said, None of these things move me, neither count on my life dear to myself. He said, I know there's a lot of trouble that's awaiting me, but I've got something inside of me that makes me unafraid of that. It is a peace that John, the writer of this book, under the inspiration of the Spirit, wrote when he was banished to the Isle of Patmos. But being on that deserted island, a place of prisoners rather, he was not, he was not giving up. But he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. In the place where you feel the most alone and abandoned. The peace of God can keep you there. And the Lord can give you a church of one. Even when there's no one around. Amen. Many of our lifetimes we've seen peace treaties signed and shattered in short order. We've seen peace brokered and then broken in a matter of hours. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you a peace. It is not as the world gives. He said, I'm going to give it unto you. Amen? Not as the world gives. My peace is, is permanent. It's not passing. It will keep you under pressure. It's an abiding presence of God that goes with you through the fiery furnace. In the lion's den, in the school hallways where you seem to be the only believer there, or at your work where no one seems to be living for God but you, but the peace of God will keep you there. It is the abiding presence of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, at the end of verse 27, John 14. So because of what I just told you, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I'm going to leave my peace with you. I'm going to give my peace with you. It is not as the world gives. I will give it to you. But you have to talk to your own heart. And calm it down. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let the fear of whatever you're facing cause trouble to overtake you. Don't be afraid, Jesus said. Don't shrink back from anything you may be fearing. 
Jesus said, I am giving you peace. I'm giving you peace, wonderful peace that will keep you no matter what you go through. As I prayed and pondered this message, I wanted to ask you, what what have you been thinking? What have you been feeling? I wonder if there's anyone here who feels like the psalmist David did when he wrote Psalm 55. He prayed to God and he said, Lord, don't hide from me. When I pray to you, to hear me, Lord, I'm restless in my complaint. He said, I am moaning noisily. The voice of my enemy, the oppression of the wicked, they're trying to bring trouble on me, and their wrath they hate me. He said, my heart is severely pained within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. He said, I'm in a really bad place right now. Sounds like to me, I don't know, it's just kind of how I see it. But then David said, I said to myself, oh, that I had wings like a dove, that I could fly away and be at rest. If I could just get out of this place of pressure. Indeed, he said, I would wander far off. In fact, I'd go so far away, I'd just stay there. I would remain in the wilderness. Have you ever felt like that? Wish you could buy a one-way ticket to nowhere. Just fly away. Not I'll fly away, not that. (laughs) Fly away and be at rest. Get in the car and just drive and drive and drive. Just wander far off like David was thinking. I just want to wander far off. I've had people tell me they felt like that before. And David said, when I get there where there's no stress and I'm at rest, I'm just going to remain there. Have you considered walking away from your marriage, from your commitments, from your calling? Have you tried to escape? Maybe somebody watching, listening, sitting here tried to escape through drugs or alcohol or ungodly entertainment, even pornography. People do these escapes thinking that They're going to relieve the pressure only to create more, as I said earlier. You feel like your head is in a vice, your stomach is in a knot. You feel like your blood pressure is soaring, your chest is in pain from stress. Are you haunted by failures of your past? Do you fear the uncertainties of the future? I'm not trying to call you out or humiliate you. I want to help you today. Because despair is real. There were times when the great prophet Moses and the great prophet Elijah wished that they could die, but they did not take their lives. They turned to God in prayer. I want to show you this next verse, 2 Corinthians 1.8. The Apostle Paul said, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, 
Inasmuch that we despaired even of life. But Jesus said in our text, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. So my message today is that God can give you peace under pressure. So let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid.